Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg reporting for Status Coup News. And this week on the Right Wing Insanity Report, we're taking a look at banning books. We have had this happen now for the last, I'd say, year and a half, two years, but it is definitely escalating. And if you track incidents across the country, the state with the highest book banning incidents is Texas. They have 713 incidents. Pennsylvania is the next closest state with 456, followed by Florida with 204. So to talk about this really important subject, I want to welcome back Stephen Monticelli to the show. Stephen is currently writing for the uh, Texas Observer uh, locally there in Texas. You've seen his work in other publications such as the Rolling Stone or Rolling Stone Magazine. Uh, Welcome, Steve. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, I wanted to initially talk about, you have this great uh, article that was in the Texas Observer this past week called Brave Books uh, and Freedom of Speech. So this, I want to talk about this for one thing, um, because Texas has the highest incident rate of book banning. Obviously, this is really escalating in the state of Texas, but also because it kind of frames the, the narrative right now from the conservative side is that it's freedom and liberty for them to be able to ban books. And I think it kind of highlights kind of the backwards mind games that they're playing. So in their world, they want the freedom to be discriminatory or the freedom to only um, have people be able to have access to the things that they agree with. And they're calling that liberty, which it clearly is not. If you're on the outside, that's obvious. But that's sort of kind of the narrative they're using. Yeah, I mean, there's this uh, one two-step that's being done, the Texas two-step, where some groups that are on the one hand, trying to ban certain books that they find to be disfavorable uh, are also simultaneously pushing for the inclusion of what I think could be fairly described as Christian nationalist books for children in their school libraries or public libraries. Um, This sort of was encapsulated recently in a series of events that were held not just in Texas, but across the country by um, Brave Books, the publisher, of children books by uh, you know such right wing luminaries as Jack Basobic or uh, the founder of Libs of TikTok. Um, right. So Sorry. you know you can kind of deduce what sort of information ideology agenda that they'll be pushing through these books, um, which are explicitly Christian. And these events, the largest in Texas, uh, was organized by. Uh, a group known as Citizens Defending Freedom, which is a group that's been described uh, as Moms for Liberty in Suits, yeah. it, more more or less uh, similar sorts of agendas that they are pushing or topics or issues that they are making the hot button issues in their localities. And so this group organized this big event that featured Kirk Cameron uh, as well as Riley Gaines, uh, former college swimmer who you know has turned into sort of a an activist opposing the inclusion of transgender athletes in in sports, collegiate sports, high school sports, and um, they attracted a bunch of people. And you know we're we're saying you know we should have the freedom to promote these books, um, you know, while simultaneously this group is seeking elsewhere in Texas to remove books they deem to be obscene. Right, right. All right. So let's I want to pull up the article, um, go through a little bit of this with you, and then we can get into more of the details. Uh, so an overflow crowd of hundreds of people snaked around the Taylor Public Library on Saturday, August 5th. 
They were there to attend a children's book reading, which featured two well-known conservative activists, Brave Books author and Growing Pains actor Kirk Cameron and Riley Gaines, a former college swimmer who now opposes the inclusion of transgender athletes in sports. The event in Taylor was part of a national campaign launched by conservative Christian publisher Brave Books, which involved hundreds of events hosted at public libraries across the country. Brave Books has partnered with controversial right-wing activists like Chaya Raychek. She's the founder of Loves of TikTok. Um, she's very anti-LBGTQ. Um, Jack Posbick, a Southern Law, Law Poverty Law Center designated extremist with a history of collaborating with white supremacists. He was also part of, um, people would call he was part of the Trump campaign as far as being sort of a mouthpiece for them. Um, titled See You at the Library, the, ba the Brave Books campaign was aimed to promote children's books with conservative values under the guise of protecting free speech. More than three uh, dozen events of varying sizes were organized by local sponsors across the state of Texas. The largest of the gatherings occurred at Taylor Public Library in Williamson uh, County, where they were sponsored by the Williamson County Chapter of Citizens Defending Freedom, a national group that is simultaneously pushing to ban books elsewhere in Texas. State Representative Carolyn Harris, a supporter of the recently passed bill banding transgender athletes in college sports, attended the event in Taylor. Dubbed by critics Moms for Liberty in Suits, which is like a great descriptor, uh, Citizens Defending Freedom is increasingly playing a role in local politics across Texas. A national organization that promotes Christian conservative candidates and policies at the local level, Citizens Defending Freedom frames their mission in tones that are common among promoters of Christian dominionism, a theological movement which posits that America is a Christian nation ordained by God and that Christians must take authority over all aspects of society. Our great nation is at a pivotal period in our history. We are becoming a lost nation devoid of God. The Citizens uh, Defending Freedom website reads, we are fighting a battle of good versus evil, a battle for the soul of America, and a battle for the future of our children and grandchildren. Um, Steve, I wanted to bring up, so again, we're seeing this framing that we're, we're arguing for free speech, but we actually are not arguing for speech. We're going to take away from everybody that disagrees with them. We want to pro, uh, promote a certain narrative that is uh, in lockstep with what our religious uh, freedom is, you know, meaning that you're a Christian and that's it. That's There's no space for anyone else. Do they not see the hypocrisy inherent in that argument um, or do they just simply not care? I wish I could read minds, yeah. uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, I'd say it's got to be one of the two. Um, you know, for them, uh, they believe that, you know, they are doing the Lord's work. And so in that sense, um, you know, maybe they don't see their to be any hypocrisy um, in, you know, the banning of books they deem to be quote unquote obscene. Uh, right. So, you know, unfortunately I, I, I wish I could tell you for certain, but it's, it depends on who the person is. It's gotta be one or the other. It's gotta be one or the other. It just, there's no logic to the, I mean, it, at the very bottom base of the argument, they're opening the door for people to do the same thing to them. Meaning like, what if the Islamic group was like, okay, we want Sharia in the, in the state. We want our religious freedom and our religious freedom requires that we tell everybody else what to do. They would lose their minds, but it's really no different logically speaking than what they're doing. So at base folks should probably try and understand that this country was found not on Christian values, but rather religious tolerance, which meant freedom for people to practice their Christian values, but also the freedom for people to practice whatever religion that they believe in, including atheism. That's right. That's right. And, um, 
these events were meant to, from I think their perspective, uh, proudly show yeah. that they are Christian and, you know, uh, wanting to inject that into libraries because, you know, from their perspective, uh, it, it seems like they believe that pride displays or anything like that, um, you know, is uh, a step in a direction that they don't approve of. And so they're trying to assert themselves as a reaction to that. Oh, I agree. Um, I think they're very emboldened by, you know, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And now they're looking at other civil rights that have sort of been ingrained in our Constitution uh, through SCOTUS decisions. They want to overturn those decisions as well. I want to pull up for a second so folks can see this organization's website. This is um, Citizens Defending Freedom. This is the sponsoring group that you were mentioning. Um, who are we? You know, uh, you look at the page and you see a lot of Christian nationalism going on here. Citizens Defending Freedom is a Christian-based nonprofit organization. We believe that the biblical principles, which are the basis of and woven throughout the foundational documents of our great nation, are paramount in the success of the United States of America. <laughs> that's just not true, but that's I know that's how they see the world. Um you know, and I think a lot of them think the downfall of this country, why we're struggling, they're blaming it on a lack of God, right? We walked away from God and now God is no longer blessing America kind of a mentality. Um, focused efforts at the local level. The fight to save America begins at the local level. We employ full-time dedicated patriots. I want to point out the, the use of the word patriots there. Um, you know, for me, patriots denotes right-wing extremism. And that is true from the time of Timothy McVeigh forward. I mean, Timothy McVeigh, that's the first time I think we really saw people using like, I'm a patriot, you know, as, as being akin to that. Um, these heroes, heroes, patriot heroes, are backed by an expert national team of media research and legal warriors who are relentless in their pursuit of those who threaten our three, our freedom and liberty. I mean, it's just nuts. Nobody is threatening your freedom and liberty. You are, you are free to believe whatever religion you want to believe. The fact of the matter is, though, is you guys want to take that right away from everybody else. And I just makes me crazy. Yeah, this group, um, at least in Williamson County, where uh, this Brave Books event occurred in Texas, um, it's actually led by uh, a woman who not only previously was a part of the Moms for Liberty right. uh, organization in the area, but um, she was actually interviewed by the January 6th Commission due to her interactions uh, with members of the Oath Keepers wow. and their signal chats. Um, there's a really um, interesting photo of her holding uh, a flag uh, with... Stuart Rhodes, wow. the leader of the Oath Keepers, uh, where it's, um, you know, an American flag on one sort of half of the top corner. And then the bottom quarter is a Confederate flag with the don't <laughs> tread on me yeah. snake thing in the in the middle. Um, not really clear what that message is right. uh, from that. But the you know proud inclusion of a Confederate flag uh, certainly is eyebrow raising. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, another thing that they talk about with this group, also Moms for Liberty, is protecting our children, right? They have this narrative that they have to save their children, protect their children. Um, having parental rights is uh, a big code word that they're using now. And what that means is, like, we want to exclude LBGTQ anything uh, from inside the school system. We've seen these guys showing up at Pride uh, to protest, you know, resolutions at school board saying we're fine with Pride in June, you know, things like this. 
should be innocuous things that are just like, yes, we're accepting of everybody. They're losing their minds, right? Um, on the Citizens Defending Freedom, protecting our children, they say this, our priority is protecting the future generations from false and destructive ideologies. On a local level, we attend school board meetings, conduct agenda research, vet curricula, and engage citizens to defend their parental rights. You know, that's the framing. Um, we've seen a lot of violence at school boards recently. Uh, you know, I filmed a couple of incidents where, and these, these there's children present, and these guys on the Save Our Children, uh, this Liberty side, are you, out there yelling the F word at everybody, uh, obscene things, uh, getting in fist fights with parents that are, um, are on the pro-LGBTQ side. I mean, like, insane amounts of rage. Ah, could be very destructive. Uh, do you do you see that getting worse? Um, it's possible. <laughs> I certainly would hope not. Um, but around you know Texas, this stuff has metastasized very rapidly. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm working on a project right now. Um, can't say too much about it, but I'm digging into school boards across the state, and um, there's been massive amounts of funding by major PACs. And, uh, you know, certain consulting firms working with tons and tons of different school boards. What started off, you know, in 2020 and 2021 over the last two years has really accelerated to the point where, um, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing this same playbook uh, be utilized at local school board levels across the state where, you know, this same language of indoctrination or protecting the kids uh, you know, dangerous ideologies, obscenity, pornography, all this sort of stuff is really trumped up in order to get people enraged in order to then right. take over these school boards and, um, you know, pass some really restrictive policies, whether that's policies that, uh, limit the ability to discuss things like, um, you know, whether uh, a kid, wants to use different pronouns right. or restricting the use of bathrooms or um, even going so far as to, you know, promoting certain types of values. Yeah. Um, so there, there is a, a big movement that has a lot of money that's deeply tied to existing Republican politics in Texas. Yeah. Um, that it's not going away anytime soon. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. We've seen guys like Peter Thiel, um, the CNP, you know, deep billionaire pockets want to fund a lot of this far right, uh, you know, ideology. Some of these guys are ANCAPs or anarcho-capitalists. So that's like kind of this extreme right wing libertarianism. But many of them are just absolutely uber Christian and they just want these ideals ingrained into the school board. Right. So part of that, too, uh, you know, Moms for Liberty was in trouble a couple of weeks ago because they had placed an Adolf Hitler quote on the front of their newsletter. And the quote was about controlling the future through children. And it makes sense to me that they would put this quote up and, and you know, unironically see the problem with it. A, But B, I think they also believe that. I think they see that if they don't learn how to control what the what the youth is seeing and reading, that they're going to be become more, you know, sort of progressive in their viewpoints. And they're, they're very afraid of that. Right. So yeah, uh, you know, and the, the, the most generous interpretation of that, that I've seen is that they believe that their enemies are basically Hitler and that yeah. their enemies are trying to indoctrinate. And, and, oh, you know, goodness. even in, in that interpretation, that's extremely unsettling and dangerous because it's such a, 
false equivalence. It's such a destructive right. comparison that it absolutely reduces the horrific nature of the Nazi regime yeah. and, and collapses the reality that there are actual Nazis that show up to stuff in Texas and across the country yeah. um, who oftentimes are using the same rhetoric as these people. Oh, 100%. People groomers right. uh, talking about, you know, Marxist indoctrination, this, that, and the other. Yeah. No, 100%. There's definitely crossover between these two groups. And oftentimes you'll see them in the same, uh, you know, vicinity of each other. And I don't see the more main, the quote unquote, I just, they're not really mainstream. So I don't know how we even use this word anymore. That's just how far right we've shifted. But what appear to be the more mainstream Republicans kind of accept that there's neo-Nazis in their presence and they don't really say anything. I mean, you've seen it in Texas. I've seen it here in California. Guys with literal swastika t-shirts on. I mean, how yeah. is this How is this being normalized? But it is. Well, you know, there's some great reporting recently um, by Amanda Moore in The Nation uh, about her time being undercover, going to a bunch of different right. conferences. And I mean, the reality is she asked one of these young conservative quote unquote conservative activists um you know what would you like for the country you know what do you see as the future what do you want and his response was like nazi germany but friendlier um and and so you know how how has this happened well i mean radicalization online yeah uh, the you know creep into mainstream organizations by these radicalized people and also yeah the either willful ignorance or the begrudging acceptance of this as being a normal thing by campaigns right. like the DeSantis campaign, right. where they, you know, end up hiring people, even in Texas. Um, you know, there's a, there's a state rep, Tony Tinderholt, uh, who hired this young man who's just an outright Christian nationalist and said some really bigoted things. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he's still working for him even after it's been exposed uh, the reality is that, um, you know, we've got this knee jerk reaction from a lot of conservative activists these days or talking heads or even politicians that you can't apologize or you can't admit you're wrong because then that's you, um, you know, taking an L or that's you like right. basically letting the libs win. Yeah. And so you got to own the libs. And yeah. if you if you ever admit that you're wrong, then. Um, you know, that's, that's admitting defeat. If you get an inch, they'll take a while. All that does is it just further pushes people towards working with radicalized people with far right extremists. And it, and it certainly doesn't allow any of these people to extricate themselves from being a part of a really radicalized movement, because if they're never going to apologize or denounce, um, you know, these bad things, then we, we shouldn't expect them to change. And in fact, the only choice they would then have is to continue to go deeper into that territory. Well, that's exactly it, right? So we've seen them going deeper. There's been a really clear wedge, what I would call wedge issues that they've used to sort of, you know, red pill to use their own parlance, you know, whether that's anti-vaccine stuff, um, you know, anti-LGBTQ stuff, like has turned into like extreme rage. I mean, yeah, it's, we've been getting there. We, this didn't happen overnight. We've been getting there for a few years now. I want to play for folks so they have a little bit um, idea of this Brave Books event that you're talking about. They actually uploaded sort of a propaganda video uh, to YouTube uh, yesterday. I want to play this and then we're going to talk about it. But it's got Kirk Cameron and Riley Gaines in it. 
The way I got involved with the Brave Book Story Hour is I'm very familiar with Kirk Cameron and the Brave Books. We followed him for quite some time and I was aware that he was launching this campaign. And when I heard about the See You at the, at the Library project, it was very familiar to me. We have a lot of problems in our libraries here in our county, in our community, and nationwide, of course. I knew that when I found out about this project that I needed to get involved and see if we couldn't get some of our local libraries sponsoring one of these events in the libraries and started making calls. And the next thing I know, every library in our county, with the exception of one city, is holding a story hour. And they told us, you know, you'll never get a job if you speak out. You'll never get into grad school. You'll lose your friends. You'll, you'll lose your scholarship and your playing time if you speak out. We were actually told, you know, you can't take a stance because your school has already taken your stance for you. When Thomas's teammates were concerned about the locker room aspect and they felt uncomfortable, they sent an email to their administration expressing their discomfort. And their administration responded back with, do you feel uncomfortable seeing male genitalia? Here's some counseling resources that you need to seek. They told these girls, this is just how far the emotional blackmail goes. Mm -hmm. They told these girls that if they do speak out and any harm whatsoever came towards Thomas's way, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, through social media, whatever harm that looked like, then these girls were solely responsible and they would be responsible for a potential death and they would be murderers. We're here just to support good literature, good books to stand out for our kids. We have lots of kids here and we want to make sure that they have access to good books to read and we don't want them to be reading the trash that's in the library sometimes. If we don't stand up for something, we're all gonna fall. So we need to stand up and be brave and teach our children what good values are so that they can perpetuate that. Well, I think that the, the mission of Brave Books, I mean, it's. It, it sounds like it's very consistent with what we've believed and what we've been, you know, taught through going to church. And it's just good to know that, like, somebody's not afraid to actually say, like, hey, this is what we're about. And that, again, that it, you know, to, to align with Christian virtues. Um, I think you mentioned, like, being pro-America as well. I think that that's super important. This is the start. To see something like this big is a start. And hopefully we can go and continue this when it's not something, a big production. And then we can take this back to our homes and our families. And then we can honestly say, hey man, it had a start here, but we continued it. And we're, you know, we've let the enemy have too much. We've let him. And it's time for us to take back what was already rightfully given to us at Calvary's cross. It's so important to put our identity into Christ. Um, that's who we answer to at the end of the day. Um, and if we were to do that, this, if we all were to do that as human beings, as Christians, the world would be a much better place. No, the world would not be a much better place. That is highly untrue. It would be a worse place. And not all of us answer to Christ, Riley. That's who you answer to. Go ahead and do that. But you don't get to force everybody else around you to like do the same thing. And they just keep saying this stuff. I want to just pinpoint a few things and get what your thoughts are on this. Um, the one interview where they were saying, we just want our kids to have access to good books, uh, but we don't want them to have to read some of the other trash that's in the library. Uh, how do they not understand that we can reverse this argument? I could easily make the argument and say, well, based on what you're saying, I think the Holy Bible is trash and I don't want my kid to have access to the Holy Bible at the library. So let's ban it. They would lose their minds. They would say, you're infringing on my freedom. And in that case, they would be correct. I would be. 
why don't they understand the reverse is true when they do that to other people about books that they don't particularly care for? I think it might be a fair assumption to say that they don't share that same value. Right. Uh, ultimately, the public library and libraries are for the storage and the, the access of information like books. Uh, and what goes into a library, you know, there's a lot of thought that's already gone into this. There are people who spend their entire lives becoming librarians. Right. And, and typically, you know, we, we don't expect librarians to have a censorious uh, right. um, attitude about this. Now, um, you know, I, I think there might be some very few exceptions to the rule. Uh, you know, I think few librarians would be willing to carry copies of Siege. Right. Or, um, Wait, let's, you know, let's explain what that is so folks know. Um, Neo-Nazi book, uh, Siege is, you know, about Day of the Rope. No, I guess that's for Turner Diaries. What happens in Siege? I know it's a race war. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not going to give the recap. It's, you know, you can Google it. It's a really just terrible book that a lot of terrible people like. Uh, you okay. know, yeah, the, the Turner Diaries would be another you know, fitting example here. Um, and what, what is disturbing is that they, you know, are making the implication that there are some things in the public libraries that, uh, you know, shouldn't be accessed by anyone. Um, whereas there are plenty of books that are already available in the public library that showcase the sort of values that yeah. they ascribe to. I mean, you can go pick up a right. C.S. Lewis book. Exactly. Um, there's, there's a ton of stuff that you can access. Um, what I think this is about really is pushing a particular publisher and their marketing. Um, ah, interesting. Okay. It's, it's trying to basically sell books that have an agenda. And, um, you know, whether these books are actually carried in libraries, I think, you know, it, it's something that they have to determine whether they merit being carried in the library. Um, but at the end of the day, there's there's no uh, shortage of children's books that teach good values. Right. Um, the question really is, what exactly are the values that they are pushing with this? Um, and are they being honest about right. what these values are and what the purpose of this is? And I think, you know, you don't really have to even read between the lines. Um, right. They say it in the video you just showed right. where... Uh, it's about nationalism. It's about being a Christian. It's about the intersection of those two things. It's about being a Christian nationalist. Uh, and Christian nationalism isn't a new thing. People have been talking about it a lot lately because we are grappling with a form of it, which I would argue is actually Christian supremacist. It's a Christian supremacism as opposed to just a Christian nationalism. Because most Christianity, think about the 50s. They were also patriotic and, you know, the, the, those values were often intermingled. And I'm not necessarily saying that that was the right thing to do at the time, but I'm just noting that historically a lot of scholars would say, well, you know, Christian nationalism, it's been around. What we're dealing with now, though, is this form of it that says we should control society and right. we should control what people read and we should have control over business and media and that it should be by and for Christians. Um, you know, everybody else be damned. Right. No, I think that's about right. Um, 
The other thing that she brought up was this kind of story about how girls were supposed to react to, uh, you know, somebody else and, you know, this emotional triggering and all this kind of stuff. And I felt like listening to this, I hear this, these kinds of stories being told a lot about trans uh, kids or, or how we're supposed to treat or view trans kids. And it's always this distortion. Like you just want to, you hear them saying these things. You just want to go run and talk to the other person and find out what actually happened. <laughs> At least I do. Cause I'm like, this feels like it's a very distorted story. That's not really the entire case. You know, again, the trans individual that's probably being bullied isn't the victim. The Christian nationalist is the victim. They're painting themselves as the victim because they're going to, they're being asked to like not be discriminatory towards someone. Well, I found it a really interesting rhetorical turn um, when Riley was basically saying, uh, I should never be held accountable for what my words inspire. Um, I think anyone who is a responsible public figure understands that their words have impact yeah. and they mean things. They're not just empty. Uh, they, they have weight. And right. if you single out specific people, specific institutions for, you know, vitriol or you, you know, use really heated rhetoric. Yeah. And then, and then they get targeted with hate, with vi- with violence, actual violence. Um, you can't just throw your hands up and say, yeah. I had nothing to do with that. How, that's not what I wanted. Uh, well, sure, it's not what you, maybe what you wanted, but it's one of the impacts of your words. And it's why we should be careful right. with what we say. And it's why, you know, accountability matters. And it's just this like preemptive excuse. Right, uh, right, re- that's right. Re- recently, there's been this crazy incident. I don't know if you've read anything about the superintendent in Oklahoma um, who's been, uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I want to make sure I'm not, I'm not wrong about that, but the superintendent who has fashioned himself as a, uh, you know, anti-woke crusader, he's called, uh, yeah, here we go. He's called, um, you know, teachers unions, terrorist organizations. Oh, my God. And he's singled out um, some very specific, um, you know, schools and and things that they're promoting. And then these schools get bomb threats. Yeah. Um, And, 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 you know, to to act like there's. Yeah. Here we go. Union public school superintendent uh, received a bomb threat after, you know, they were singled out for their woke ideology. Wow. uh, With a specific, um, you know, um, with a specific teacher's name or librarian's name, rather. And uh, preemptively trying to wash your hands of blood says a lot. uh, I agree. What you think could happen based on what you're saying. Right. And Um, these crimes are these hate crimes are definitely increasing. It's not it's not as if these words and this radicalization are without consequence. They are. Yeah, it's it's not a joke. It's not a laughing matter. We saw this with uh, hospitals that had gender affirming clinics. Now we see this with these schools. Um, You know, we had somebody murdered here last week uh, who for having a pride flag in front of her store. She was murdered by someone for it. And, And the murderer was a 
regular poster and retweeter of really hateful anti-LGBTQ activists, including one in Texas, That's who right. I've covered before. Um, so, you know, I, I, I am unsympathetic to that. Woe is me. I'm the victim. And nothing right. that I ever say could ever have an impact or could ever, you know, be partially responsible for the actions of others. Because incitement and public statements, um, you know, those two things, they need like public statements have to be made in order for it to be incitement. Uh, the, the, there's those things aren't inseparable. People don't just decide to suddenly send bomb threats right. to schools without any sort of impetus. Um, so it's it's disturbing right. to see that sort of rhetoric be yeah. held up as. Um, you know, oh, this is this is a good thing, and we should be listening to this person. No, I mean, and, and it kills me because none of them have clearly none of them have read Christ's teachings, or if they have, they don't abide them whatsoever. It's like do the opposite. <laughs> this is not what Christ was about, folks. Sorry, just wasn't. Um, I want to turn now to how booksellers are reacting to a law that was also just passed recently here. So in addition to the book banning and these events that are going on, you actually have a legislative body in Texas that is actively working towards uh, making these book bans a reality that is also putting the booksellers um, at, as being legally responsible for what they've sold to the schools. Um, so this is an ABC News report. Um, booksellers in Texas say they're preparing for an unprecedented workload under a new law that requires these vendors to analyze and rate books that they consider to be sexually explicit in their judgment. The law would force stores to issue a recall on past books sold to schools that have newly been rated as sexually explicit and refuse to sell these books to schools moving forward. Several booksellers and publishers in the state claim the law is anti-business and have filed a suit against Martha Wong of the Texas State Library and Archives Commission, Kevin Ellis of the Texas Board of Education, and Commissioner of Education Mike Moroth. The plaintiffs argue the, that the book restrictions violate the First and Fourteenth Amendments to the U.S. Constitution, and they absolutely do. I agree with that. And force business owners to express and impose the government's views or face government punishment, according to the complaint. Um... Charlie Rezek, of the, the CEO of the 53-year-old Austin bookstore Book People, told ABC News that she couldn't fathom how her business would move forward under the demands. Uh, Rezek's business is also involved in the lawsuit. We just don't see a path forward because we don't have the records in order to be able to comply, not to uh, mention the workload of reading and reading thousands, literally thousands of books in a short period of time with no financial support. Um, yeah, this is madness. I agree. Absolute madness. Um so they're suing the, the the government there in the state of Texas for this law. Do you have any information on where this is at currently and what are your thoughts on it? I unfortunately don't have any more information than has already been reported here, but okay. it is uh, a sign of where the Texas legislature's head is at and where they would like to go. Um, you know, we are dealing with a legislature that, and, and many state board appointees, the state board of education, which, um, you know, have largely been appointed by people like Governor Abbott. Yeah. These individuals, these organizations are really being aggressive in terms of their desire to control what is being taught, what is being, what is even made available. Um, you know, I, I think this particular law, it's, it's pernicious. And it certainly runs against the idea that the Republican Party of Texas is business friendly. 
Right. Um, I think that's kind of gone out the window right. in recent years uh, when, you know, a basically Christian nationalist, more like hard right culture war focused arm of the Republican Party has flexed its muscles and kind of taken control of where that train is going. Right. You know, Steve, interestingly, I feel like that's kind of what's happening across the country with um, a lot of the state Republican parties versus the national. There's sort of a fight for the soul of the GOP right now. And we're seeing it in the presidential uh, primary as well, where you still have some of these, you know, pro pro business kind of neocon old school Republicans that are, you know, gasping for breath against what is this very cultural culture centric, more radicalized, you know, post Trump. Um, I'm saying post-Trump only because there are people much more to the right of Trump now running for office uh, mm -hmm. world that we're in. And there's definitely a tension there. Yeah, I mean, I think the goal here is basically to create an environment in which either one of two things will happen. If you're a business like a bookstore, you either go out of business because you can't afford to uh, you know, deal with this onerous regulation that has been imposed upon you. Or you end up becoming so conservative in what you purchase and sell that the effect is the same, where suddenly you basically you only buy things from publishers like Brave Books because you know that this that's what the state will approve Lots. and that you won't yeah. you won't have to slap, you know, you won't actually have to pay attention to what's in the book in order to judge, you know, is this sexually explicit? And, you know, frankly, that as a definition is so loose and vague and, right. you know, can, and can be can construed in so many ways. I mean, you know, is, is a, a, a teen novel that involves, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, dating type scenarios is right. that, which would be, you know, very common for that age group. Like, is it inappropriate for two kids to kiss right. uh, in a book? Like, or what, what, what crosses the line is effectively yeah. something that um you know is an open question and can easily be wielded as a cudgel a hundred percent i agree um it's crazy that this is happening so uh keeping an eye on that then um i want to now play a clip so i was at comic-con a couple weeks ago san diego comic-con which is the biggest comic book convention uh, around uh there was a whole entire booth there dedicated to the defense of banned comics, so graphic novels. So, so it's not just happening with standard, you know, books of literature. It's also happening with graphic novels, comic book, what's not. And when I was looking at some of the books that were banned, one of them, for example, uh, was written by a the child of a Holocaust survivor. And it was obviously, it was no holds barred graphic about what actually happened. And I guess they find that offensive, right? Why? I don't know. Yeah. We should not. Re we don't need to have revisionism about something that's really awful and offensive. The act of itself, the Holocaust was awful. We should know that. And our children should know that. So we don't repeat this. Um, another one was about a new kid who moves to town and he's he's a black kid and he's making friends with white kids. And it's called New Kid. And he talks about how he's initially bullied by some folks, but then he makes friends like these are just but they were saying that this book was divisive, you know, taught CRT, which is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, they don't even know what that means. Um, so I want to play this book and then talk a little bit about this as well. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, man. Not what I'm used to with comedy. Exactly. It's a, it's a different year. For criticizing white people and basically just promoting some liberal anti-white agenda. Um, and it was it was 
completely misunderstood, but I guess the whole the whole reason I think this really shows why graphic novels are important is that it's the facial expressions. It's it's your ability to see what he's doing, what he's saying, how he's feeling. It's it says middle school is hard enough without being the new kid. And it's about this like overcompensating, kind of awkward experience. And I feel like the purpose of the graphic novel, you can kind of see all of these little interactions more than you can imagine them and I, and it gets so misunderstood, but I'm like, you're seeing a picture. How yeah. can this be so misunderstood, you know? So he's a Holocaust survivor, which explains mm. why there's a swastika on the top. Yeah, so I heard that they thought that the depictions of the Holocaust were too graphic. And this wow. was, all, we obviously defended this because it's like, you know, you, kind of, you have to see these things, but history doesn't repeat itself. Yeah. So obviously very, very obvious, not subtle at all. And I'm not sure if maybe even later it becomes maybe more violent or if they just didn't like that it was so on the nose no they're banning books because they're let's be honest they're on the side of white supremacists i'm yep. just gonna say it out loud yeah a lot of these books that we have up here were simply banned for depicting critical race theory right yeah they'll cite divisive material they'll cite critical race theory that they don't understand right <laughs> so They'll say that, you know, this type of thing, because it's a, a, a child of color, that if you talk about him being bullied or you talk about, then that's divisive material. You get the, you get the point. <laughs> so it's, it's almost the same sort of thing we're, we're seeing with Brave Books that we're seeing, you know, in Florida, other states. Anything that makes them feel, frankly, uncomfortable or doesn't sort of fit into their pretty narrative about, you know, American patriotism gets just the ax at this point. And I feel like a lot of this, Steve, I feel a lot of this is, is just reactionary in some ways. Um, you know, they know that the majority of folks aren't buying into their arguments. And I think that they think the way around that is to target younger folks earlier on and try to shape the way that they think and try to um, keep what they're exposed to in a very narrow way because the, they, they feel if they get exposed to all these other ideas that they might find them more appealing at the end of the day. Well, that's the goal of cultural Marxism for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but for, frankly, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, within this framework of, you know, it's in their mind that there's some great other uh, that is trying to indoctrinate their children away from their values, as opposed to simply people learning and engaging with a variety of ideas and using their own capacities to come away with their own conclusions. Um, you know, it's, it's telling that they view university education as a, you know, form of liberal indoctrination as right. opposed to a place where free expression and academic research and, you know, oftentimes controversial stuff uh, is given, um, you know, a safe haven so that, it's not just extinguished by this reactionary cultural force. Um, and so, yeah, it's it, it, this desire to limit what children are exposed to so they don't ever have to explain it or so they don't have to counter it and instead can simply just, you know, have this little hermetically sealed ideological world that they want for their children. 
Indeed. Uh, uh, so we'll have to keep our eyes on this. Um, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show and talking with us about me. What are your parting words? And also, where can people follow your work if they want to hear more about what you're doing? Well, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, there's always so much happening in Texas. Um, so, yeah. you know, read the Texas Observer. Uh, you know, if you care about journalism in Texas, you know, try and chip in some money to places like the Texas Observer. Recently, one of the major news publications in Texas, uh, just, yeah, just yesterday, I believe, laid off a bunch of people. Um, and the journalism industry is in a difficult place as it is. And for us to lose really, really good people in Texas, um, where we are already dealing with you know, huge news deserts and yeah. lack of coverage in really critical areas, um, it's, it's a tough time, but, um, you know, there are so many people who are pushing up against this and, you know, to maybe close it on a good note, something that is mentioned in that Brave Books article, uh, that I wrote is that, um, you know, at one of those events, dozens and dozens of people showed up and basically said, uh, you know, if you want to see bravery, let your kids read things and don't yeah. be afraid of queer people and right. you know don't try to hide your kids from difficult truths be right. brave and teach them things and educate them and prepare them for the challenging and chaotic world that they will inherit yeah. uh so you know i think there's there's reasons to have some sense of hope uh but that also only is um it's only going to happen and only be allowed really if there are people who are organizing and, and yeah. pushing back um, and are, and are really trying to fight for civil rights and, and say, yeah, you can read whatever you want. Um, right. No one's going to stop you, uh, but you just can't stop us. Right. Um, and there's absolutely no good reason to be restricting access to books that tell people's perspectives if they're not hateful. Um, right. So yeah, I, I think, Pay attention to what's going on in your local areas is the one thing that I'll say to people, because if it weren't for people um, who were paying attention to these things, you know, it'd be so much harder for journalists like me to do my job. Right. Indeed. True. Um, thanks again, Steve. Uh, are you still using Twitter? I know you're um, blue sky now. I'm not using Twitter I'm, anymore, but I know. I'm using it very minimally. Slightly. You can find me on there. You can find me on blue sky. Uh, my name is very uncommon, so it's pretty easy to, to search me up. So you can follow me there. I do post things occasionally, but I'm going to be, uh, you know, a little quiet um, for the next few weeks while I'm wrapping up this big investigative project. Right on. But keep your eyes out for that. Yeah, well, we'll have you back on when you're done with that. Sounds fascinating. All right, thanks, Steve. Appreciate it.